Welcome to episode 57 of the BizTalk with Bill Roy podcast. Here on the podcast, we try to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that make up Wichita's important business community. One of those issues is who will lead this state as governor for the next four years. I'm going to have each of the candidates for governor on the podcast before the August primary. Both parties, also independent Greg Orman. First up, Josh Swati. He's a former state rep, a farmer, and a Democrat. You'll hear my conversation with him in a moment. First, some details about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. It's great that Spirit Aerosystems announced more than a thousand jobs for our community, but where are those employees coming from? In our cover story this week, aviation reporter Daniel McCoy takes a look at how those jobs were filled and the challenge Wichita has with its workforce. Our population is dropping. We're at our lowest civilian labor force in five years. That story on page 12. In our Wichita is a good place to start a business feature, we hear the experience of new entrepreneur Jennifer McDonald, owner of Jenny Don Sellers. She provides us some advice for others who are thinking of starting their own business. This week's list, Wichita's fastest growing companies, a short list because many private companies don't want to share the revenue or the revenue growth. It's on page 14. This week, we spend 10 minutes with Ed O'Malley, the CEO of the Kansas Leadership Center. The KLC is embarking on a new push to take the organization and its programs global. That's on page 23. Turn to our leads section, building permits, who owes back taxes, new corporations, real estate transactions, even new lawsuits. All those listed beginning on page 21. Back with Democrat candidate for Governor Josh Swati in a moment. Welcome to BizTalk with Bill Roy of the Wichita Business Journal. Talking business, your business that is, is what Equity Bank's team of bankers does best. Visit us today at equitybank.com. His name is spelled S-V-A-T-Y, pronounced Swati. 38 years old, a Kansas state representative for the 108th district. Governor Mark Parkinson named him Secretary of Agriculture. He served from 2009 to 2011. He is a fifth-generation farmer, and Katrina Lewison is his running mate. Josh, welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you. It's great to be here. How do you describe yourself? Far left, moderate, conservative <laughs> Democrat? How do you describe yourself? So, you know, I think uh, my family is largely the old FDR Democrats that are the holdovers uh, in rural Kansas. I was raised in that environment. And uh, it's pretty hard to be deep left of center when you represent an area that was uh, overwhelmingly Republican. So, right. yeah, I'm pretty much in the middle. Obviously, this is a, a business publication and a business type podcast, business related podcast. What is your message for those folks in Kansas who own and lead small and medium-sized businesses? Sure. Well, we've seen a number of things happening in Kansas over the last eight years, and there are some nuts and bolts elements, uh, you know, stabilizing the state's finances so that uh, small business owners aren't sitting there thinking, are we going to be the ones next that have to pick up the, the tax tab for the state? Uh, but I think a broader concern is the overall perception or image of the state of Kansas. And you, know, you can read it in, in the Wichita Eagle this morning, the, the economic report for the city of Wichita. Uh, perception drives economic development uh, as much as tax policy or incentives. 
And so um, we've got to help the state of Kansas. Uh, we know that millennials are choosing the communities they live in based on uh, quality of life questions. They will move to a place without a job right. uh, and just go there because they want to be there. We have to be providing the, the communities that people want to be in uh, or we're going to lose out. Let's talk about some specific industries, starting with oil and gas. What's your message for the energy sector that has uh, struggled a bit in the last few years? So we are largely a natural resource state. Uh, I, the bulk of my career has been built around that, whether it's agriculture or oil and gas, which are the two big ones. And they do drive the largely drive the economy of the state of Kansas. Oil and gas, of course, then drives the economy of the city of Wichita in large ways as well. And I get that. I understand it. Uh, that's why we've been lagging with state revenues for the past few years. That's why this year we're seeing state revenues pick up a little bit. You know, we've had oil creep up now closer to $70 a barrel, which right. is way better than $50 you a barrel bet. or below. And um, I also understand what that means for the local rural communities that have a lot of their valuation wrapped up in the oil and gas that's located below the surface of the earth. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so we have to make sure that that um, portion of the economy is thriving. Uh, that they're able to get done what they need to get done, um, but also done in a responsible manner. Uh, and that's in part the relationship between the Kansas Corporation Commission and the industry itself. Former Secretary of Agriculture, tell us about ag producers and uh, the ag economy in Kansas. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, production in Kansas and how we move forward? These have been a tough eight years. I actually started my own farm. I was raised on a farm, but I started my own farm uh, eight years ago. And so I had the early years of drought in 11 and 12. Uh, and then when we started having better yields, the uh, we had the price collapse. Uh, and then, of course, cattle followed that one as well. So these have been tough times. And uh, this year's crop, I think, is going to be a little bit better than last year's crop. Uh, but we are all sitting at the edge of our seats trying to figure out what's going to happen with the federal trade issues. Right. And, uh, this is a bad time uh, for Kansas farmers to have uncertainty in terms of where their markets will be by the end of the calendar year. And uh, that's unfortunate that we have a, a federal administration that um, is running a little fast and loose with an area of, of the economy that needs to have a little more stability. Uh, it's my goal as governor to try to position Kansas as best as possible to be a forward leader in agriculture. We still retain the abundant resources that have always made this a great ag state. Uh, but that being said, uh, we are not Iowa. We're not southern Minnesota. Um, we are a drier state. And a large portion of us, the western third, uh, qualifies you know, as being west of the dry line. We are semi-arid. And if we do not protect the natural resources that we have that drive agriculture, largely water, uh, we could find ourselves in deep trouble. Tariffs are a concern, obviously, with China, also Canada, Mexico, the EU, and uh, also, you know, thoughts about the North American Free Trade Agreement. That has an impact on uh, Kansas commodities and Kansas producers. What can the Kansas governor do to have an influence on that national policy? Uh, for one, we can be a louder, more aggressive voice uh, speaking to Washington, you know, driving uh, whatever control we can have over, over the federal delegation that's there, uh, suppo that's supposed to be representing Kansas farmers. Because if you look at our principal trade partners, 
number one corn importer of U.S. corn is Mexico. A number one beef importer of U.S. beef is Japan. Uh, you know, sorghum is largely sold to China. Well, who's the number one sorghum producer in the country? It's Kansas right. by a large margin. Mm -hmm. So the principal crops that we are growing uh, depend heavily on trade agreements, whether they are NAFTA, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which did not come to fruition, uh, or direct trade relationships with China. All of those are thrown into jeopardy. Uh, and I cannot overstate the importance of um, particularly those sorghum and beef relationships. Uh, it, it fluctuates, but but ag receipts in Kansas are largely around 15 to 16 billion dollars a year. Six and a half, seven billion of that is beef. Uh, it is enormously important. Uh, for the city of Wichita, you have the Cargill Beef, uh, beef Innovation Center here. Right. So uh, it's not lost on Cargill, the, the center of the beef industry being here in Kansas. Uh, and we have to keep our trade partners open uh, and interested in choosing our product because it's the best product in the market worldwide. Um, but we have to have the trade relationships there to make sure we're moving it. Uh, some of the tariffs also impacting aviation and aerospace, and along with that, manufacturing, obviously very important to Wichita. What are your thoughts on, uh, on that industry sector? Sure. You know, we are uh, in that in that sector, we're a finished product uh, sort of manufacturer. Right. And so um, the prices of those raw materials, steel and aluminum, affect uh, what we're able to do here in Wichita. And the fun thing about Wichita is they're having kind of a moment right now, you know, a major new investment uh, by Boeing and Spirit. Uh, and you kind of sense that the um, aviation manufacturing sector is coming back. There's some cool new companies that have chosen to relocate here based on the workforce and the investments that the city has made uh, into its uh, tech innovation center um, uh, and the technical co uh, college here and its new relationship with Wichita State University. Uh, you can sense it, even as a person that's not from Wichita, you can sense that good things are happening here and a foundation has been built uh, to be innovative in the future. And you don't want to see the overall aviation sector take a hiccup or a slowdown because of some uh, trade fights, uh, which are a real potential because of the raw materials needed for those planes. One big uh, issue for Wichita area businesses is workforce, uh, being able to find the skilled labor that we need to produce all the airplanes and to build homes and finish carpenters, things like that. Uh, how do we attack that workforce uh, challenge that we have? Uh, this is not just a challenge for Wichita. We face this almost statewide. And I think long term, you know, 50 years out, what Wichita needs to be concerned about is the trend nationwide is heading to these uh, mega urban centers, uh, the Northeast, uh, the, uh, you know, around Chicago, around California. Uh, Wichita is the largest city in the state of Kansas, but it is largely separated from any major metropolitan area. It is its own metropolitan area. So how can Wichita use the surrounding communities, the surrounding counties, counties as a force multiplier on its workforce to position itself to land the jobs of the future? Uh, because it will be competing against um, major centers that can offer tens of thousands of employees and there's the natural give and take and we'll continue to pull in those millennials uh, from the surrounding countryside. Uh, Wichita has to uh, express itself as still a, a place that is um, has a great quality of life, 
Uh, it's fairly cheap for young people if they want to move here and live here. Um, it has the um, uh, upwardness uh, available to people if they want to start their own business uh, and they don't have to deal with a lot of overhead. Uh, but that's how you begin building that network of workforce uh, to attract those people that are businesses that may be looking for 1,000 or 1,500 employees. Healthcare, obviously, an important issue for Kansans. Wichita is a healthcare hub for the state. Uh, how do we improve healthcare? And uh, uh, that's, a, that's a loaded question because it's a complicated question as well. It is a complicated question. There are some things that the state can and should be doing right now. We should expand Medicaid. Uh, those are our tax dollars, and uh, they go back largely to providers providing services to children and seniors. Uh, Wichita has come on in the past uh, 10 to 20 years as a, as a leading health care provider in the state of Kansas. Uh, we need to continue the investments at the state level in higher education spending, and that includes the uh, medical community uh, and the KU Med Center that we have here in Wichita. Uh, my cousin was a recent graduate of that. She's now practicing medicine out in Garden City. Uh, but the Med Center here in, in Wichita largely produces the doctors that are going to deliver health care in rural areas, so we need to make sure it is as robust as possible. And then finally, on the insurance side of things, um, you know, going back to your earlier question about small business. Um, the Affordable Care Act at the national level is working well for individuals that may never have had health insurance before, and it's working fairly well for individuals that are uh, receive their health insurance from large employers, uh, but it's failing the middle. Uh, individuals that self-insure, like myself, uh, because of the farm, and then small businesses that may have five or ten employees and they want to provide their employees health insurance, those are the entities that are left without any leverage with the insurance industry and have been seeing the year-to-year -year premium increases of 25 or sometimes 35 percent every single year, and that is simply not sustainable. Um, uh, that is uh, strapping those businesses. It's making health insurance become their number one monthly payout, mm -hmm. uh, which is not what any business ought to be having as their number one payout. Uh, and the state, uh, though it doesn't have a lot of tools, uh, needs to be working with them to find a way for them to pool that risk and give themselves some leverage uh, against the insurance industry and so, so that they can have some sort of uh, stabilization of their year-to-year -year premiums. Education, obviously important in the state of Kansas, and uh, we've had quite the debate at the state level, uh, Supreme Court. Uh, looking at the uh, funding bill this year, would you, if you were governor, would you have signed that? Yeah, I think that um, have we been underfunding K through 12 education? Of course, I think the 525 million uh, that they put in, stepped in over the over the next couple of years, is probably about as good as we can do right now. Uh, the state is so strapped for money, and the need across all state agencies is so high uh, that it's not just K through 12. It's transportation, it's uh, corrections, it's the Department of Children and Families, it's mental health, it's higher education. So that was a good investment uh, and a good first step. And hopefully as the economy improves, particularly within oil and gas and agriculture, we'll see more money coming into state revenues. We're already seeing more money coming into state revenues from the tax package that was passed last year. And I think that will give the state some more flexibility to begin looking at uh, investing more into K through 12. But we also have to begin the process of um, stopping robbing at virtually every dollar that comes into the Department of Transportation. Uh, and so that's going to take time. 
and a, and a governor working with the legislature uh, to stabilize the entirety of the state's finances. Obviously, it takes money for education. Are my taxes going to go up? Are, are taxes going to go up for business leaders? Uh, I, I don't see uh, any major tax moves happening over the next few years. It's very difficult to pass a tax increase. Uh, and they passed a large one uh, in the last session. And so uh, I think that the state will probably see how that functions. Um, and if we open up anything in the tax code in the next few years, years it's probably going to involve uh, reducing or eliminating the state tax on, on uh, sales tax on food. So uh, that's the next big change I would see happening on the tax horizon. And you would support that? Yes, I'm supportive of that. Technology is important to business success, obviously, especially access to fast Internet connections. How does Kansas improve that access, especially in, in the rural areas of the state? So ironically, some of the most rural parts of the state are well served by uh, broadband access. They are served by rural uh, independent telephone companies that are available. That they can take advantage of rural utility service funds. Uh, the areas that are really underserved right now are those donuts around uh, communities that are served by larger ILACs, the incumbent local exchange carriers. Um, that do not receive those funds. And so economically, it does not make sense for them to send fiber to the final mile of people that live outside of three miles of, of those rural communities. And we have to find a way to um, either incent uh, those incumbent exchange carriers uh, or um, you know, maybe find a scenario where they find it more economical to simply sell those exchanges to the rural telephone companies to make that happen, um, because for sure, broadband access statewide is, is necessary. We are in a place now where um, businesses simply can't operate it. And uh, as agriculture has led the way in some technological innovations, we're finding areas now where they just have to have those larger pipelines of data. For example, you know, every, every uh, head of cattle in a 100,000 head feedlot is usually outfitted with a chip now, an right. RFID chip. And so that's data that's moving both, uh, well, largely up. Well, if you've got 100,000 head of cattle in a feedlot, that's a lot of data. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to access that in a timely fashion from broadband. Taking a look at the Trump effect, what impact will the Trump presidency have on the Kansas gubernatorial race? I think that uh, there's probably no escaping uh, federal politics right now. We, we have tried to stay largely in our own lane, uh, talk about the issues that are facing Kansans. And I think most Kansans are concerned about those first and foremost. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm now talking about trade when mm -hmm. I'm out uh, on the stump because ag's a big issue for me. Uh, I live it each and every day. Um, I was checking the markets just as I went in here just to see how bad it would be over the weekend. Uh, but even even to issues such as the family separations uh, going on at the border, um, Kansans are, um, you know, this is a largely Republican state, but this is also a very family-oriented state. Uh, and um, those images, those stories are, are affecting Kansans um, hard, uh, and they want to talk about them. And you know, I'm not going to shy away from that. Uh, I am who I am. I'm running to be governor of Kansas and nothing more and to fix the problems that are here in Kansas. Uh, but like everyone else, um, I watch the news and right. I have a Twitter feed, and I'm going to talk about things if if they care, if Kansans care about them. Right. Uh, you support some actions regarding gun ownership and and use. Talk about that. Uh, some additional policies that uh, you might implement or suggest implementing if you were governor. 
Sure. You know, I voted for conceal and carry when I was in the House. I helped get it passed in the mid-2000s, but uh, we required eight hours of training and uh, obtaining a permit from the state of Kansas. Those are very normal and, and reasonable restrictions, uh, and actually gun owners all asked for them at the time. Uh, since I left the legislature, they passed what's known as constitutional carry, where everyone can carry at any time, uh, basically anywhere in the state. Uh, and I think that most Kansans uh, would say it is okay and appropriate to ask for at least a permit if you're going to uh, uh, carry a concealed weapon uh, and some level of training. And I know that we can argue uh, whether eight hours is enough at all. Right. Uh, but it's probably even simply the, the act of trying to go out and get, a, get them is, is, a, is an appropriate hurdle versus uh, just nothing. You know, right. Absolutely anyone can do that. And so uh, that's the big one for here in the state of Kansas, uh, you know, in terms of what we could actually achieve. Also, I think rethinking whether or not guns need to be um, accessible on campuses, college campuses. Uh, those are um, uh, intense uh, emotional environments anyway right. for a lot of children, uh, and, and uh, alcohol a lot of times is involved. And, right. uh, so I think the state's rethinking some of those policies. Uh, but I think the state's also having that broader conversation, just, you know, what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. Uh, Kansas will always be a very supportive state of the Second Amendment. Uh, that's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, we have a lot of avid outdoors people uh, that take advantage of that, which is fantastic. I mean, Kansas is a great place uh, to take advantage of that. Former state rep, you were representing your district and uh, your votes on abortion uh, could be seen as pro-life. Uh, you talk about a different philosophy as you approach a statewide office. You might explain that. Well, you know, we, we've always uh, simply tried to tell people exactly what we, we are going to do. And, and one thing that I can say, uh, when I tell people I'm going to do something, I do it. And so we've told everyone uh, we would not support, uh, we would veto any new restrictions on women's reproductive rights. I, I've always been supportive of access to women's health across the state of Kansas. Uh, and be they vaccines or uh, access to contraceptives or sex education, uh, and have a genuine understanding of, of, the, of the difficulties of accessing that in, in some of the most rural parts of the state. Uh, I also think uh, one of the reasons that our ticket is the strongest in the state of Kansas is that I've um, added Katrina Lewison, uh, who is a West Point graduate and a Black Hawk helicopter pilot. She flew for the Army in uh, the Iraq War. Uh, but is also a strong advocate for access to women's health across the state as well. And um, I understand the importance of a woman uh, speaking on these issues. I am a white male, so I, I am limited in my understanding of these. Um, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what anybody says, uh, you know, white, white males simply don't understand this uh, the same way women do. And so uh, we have brought, I, I think, some uh, important and valid balance to the ticket uh, and it's been great to have Katrina out talking about this. We've seen some candidates run hard, and then they drop out. Are you in it uh, for the long haul? Are you in it to the primary and beyond? Well, you know, the beauty of this is uh, after the filing deadline, my uh, my name, uh, the, the Swati Lewison name is going to be on that ballot whether I'm there or not. Right. So, yeah, we are 
uh, full speed ahead. And I would contend that uh, they'd be hard pressed to find any ticket uh, on either side, Republican or Democrat, that runs as hard as we do. Uh, my running mate Katrina was in Jennings, Kansas yesterday, which is clear up in Decatur County. Uh, Jennings, Kansas has a population of 96. Uh, it is the last place anyone would expect a Democratic candidate or lieutenant governor to be campaigning, uh, but that's how we do it. Uh, the people of Jennings wanted someone from the campaign there. They had a veterans event, uh, and Katrina wanted to go. And I think that speaks to uh, how we campaign. Um, we do not feel limited to the five most populous counties where the Democratic Party is based. Uh, in the state of Kansas, we campaign statewide uh, because one, there are Democrats everywhere, but two, you cannot effectively govern a state uh, if you are not campaigning statewide and hearing those stories. And it was great. Uh, she and our staff were able to stop by Hill City on the way back and look at some of the damage from the Nine Inch Rain event they had there a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to see those with your own eyes uh, if you're going to effectively govern. Josh Swati, Democratic candidate for governor. Thanks for spending some time with us today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Most bankers are good at banking talk. What you need is a banker who knows how to talk business. Your business, that is. I'm Andrew Cheney, commercial lender here at Equity Bank. If you've got plans to grow, we're ready to talk about your business. Visit equitybank.com. Again, we're doing our best to schedule each candidate for governor to join us on the podcast before the August primary. That's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 57. A new episode every week. You can see the others at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thanks for listening and subscribing. If you have ideas for guests, let me know about it. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. On behalf of the great staff here, thanks for listening. Thanks to producer Brittany Showalter. And thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Have a profitable week.